Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. I am thrilled to introduce the Navy head coach, Ricky Soul to the Philosophy podcast. Ricky uh, and I have known each other for a long time, dating back to when he was uh, at Georgetown as an assistant and I was at Yale. And he went on uh, to be the head coach at Dartmouth, St. John's, Stony Brook, and now in his sixth year at Navy, um, has really done amazing things as a guy who's been in the NCAA tournament, won playoff games with multiple teams. Um, coming off a Patriot League regular season championship last year and has high hopes for 2019. Uh, Ricky, welcome to the show. So so pumped to have you on. Yeah, man. Great great to be on, Jamie. And um, yeah, you and I do go back a long, long way. Your days at Yale and um, playing a lot of hoop games over the summer after, um, you know, after, uh, you know, 205 camp or, you know, whatever the camp was. Um, and um it's a pleasure to be on the show, and uh, and even though we're similar in age, um, I can tell you that um, there's a lot that I've learned from you over the years, and um, just appreciate your, your friendship. Thanks, Rick, and I uh, I uh, really enjoyed my excellent adventure RV stop at uh, in Annapolis to visit you guys for a day. Your um, your setup, uh, your staff, your team, the institution. Uh, were an absolute highlight of my 11-day adventure. I, I can say that the, the, Navy, the Naval Academy is one of the coolest places I've ever visited. So really appreciate the hospitality. It was fun to share uh, some stories and some X's and O's and some film and all that. Yeah, and I, uh, it was a great day, and, and um, I'm glad you, you, you enjoyed it. And my, the only bummer is the weather yeah. wasn't great, so we couldn't get outside. We had to go inside. Um, so you didn't get a chance to really see a um, – I guess a you know typical practice of ours, right. but um, other than that, yeah, it was great. Just you know, sitting around and, and and watching some film and telling stories, and then getting an opportunity to you know show you around. You mentioned my my uh, assistants. Um, I do feel lucky. I have a great staff. You um, do. They're just great people. They they work hard. Um, you know, they're they're just really committed to doing whatever it takes to help um, you know this team be successful. So. I'm glad you got a, um, a taste behind the scenes, um, yeah. as, you know, the type of work ethic that they have. But um, um, it was a good day, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Awesome. The Philosophy Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Coaches Training Program. If you are a coach interested in sharpening your saw, like so many of the guests on the show, you are going to love the content in this program. Go to www.jm3coaches.com for more information. Well, Ricky, the way I usually uh, get started with these is I love to hear about um, the journey as a player and a coach of uh, the, the guests on this show. So, you know, give us uh, give us an idea of, of where you came from um, and how, you know, as a player, um, as a coach, your 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 and your and your biggest mentors what they meant to you what you learned from them along the way 
Yeah. Ooh, yeah. We, um, well, I grew up in upstate New York, um, uh, uh, a town called Horsets, New York, which is, um, you know, up um, just along the Pennsylvania, New York border, near Corning, Ithaca, um, about an hour and a half south of Syracuse, just to, to give you some perspective. And um, I was, um, you know, a three-sport athlete growing up, football, basketball, uh, baseball. Uh, the sport of lacrosse was not introduced to my high school until I was in eighth grade. Um, uh, a, a teacher coach by the name of Tom Moffat, who played at Hobart, um, came to our school district. Um, he coached me in freshman basketball. He coached me in, in uh, uh, J, both JV and varsity football. And so um, it was my sophomore year. Uh, now, uh, again, he had been there a couple years prior to started a club program, but it didn't go varsity until my sophomore year. This is 1978. And I guess back then, before you could go varsity, you had to go a couple years of club, club lacrosse. And I'd seen some guys walking around school with it, but didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. Um, and so it was coming off my sophomore year of football. Uh, I'd already played uh, freshman basketball for Coach Moffitt. And um, he was a pretty tough guy, just as a, as a, as a preface or a side story. Um, he was one of these coaches who was um, big into conditioning, big into fundamentals, um, uh, he didn't care about, you know, necessarily the, the talent you had, you had but, um, you know, you were going to play hard for him and you were going to be a fundamentally sound team, whether it was football, whether it was basketball. And he worked us really, really hard. Um, and we won a lot of games, um, probably won some games we shouldn't have won just because um, of that, of that, you know, fundamental soundness that we have, that, that the, the conditioning that we had. And um, <clears throat> so... Fast forward to the end of my sophomore football year, and he, his, his room, he, he, he taught algebra. His uh, homeroom was right across from my homeroom. So I'd see him every day, and we would, you know, shoot the breeze. And so he started trying to <clears throat> recruit me to play lacrosse. And, um, you know, I, I thought I was going to play baseball. I was a pretty decent baseball player. I played, you know, um, in all the all-star, you know, games that are teams that you play on growing up. And, and uh, I wasn't bad. I, you know, I played all over outfield. I played some first base, played some third base. And um, I, was, I wasn't committed to playing baseball. So I guess he got me at a, at a good time not knowing it. But um, so he spent the whole winter trying to convince me to play lacrosse. He's telling it's me about the sophomore year. What's that? This is your sophomore year? This is my sophomore year, yep. Um, you know, he's telling me, I had never seen the sport, you know, so he's trying to explain it to me. You could, you know, you could hit people with a stick, which I didn't get, a, I, I, I didn't understand that concept and, and actually get away with it. Um, and, um, and so he just kept, um, you know, recruiting me and a, a number of the other athletes um, in my grade. And so um, it was literally, this is a true story, the day before the first practice, when I finally said, all right, coach, I'll play. I will play. <laughs> Changed your life forever. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine. Um, and so um, my first year, I was, a long, I was a long stick midfielder. It was the first year we were, uh, you know, on, on a varsity program. I don't know if you remember, back then you could play with the kind of the tweener sticks, you know, like maybe yeah. a 54 inch stick, you know. I call that um, a schlong. Yeah, yeah, so you, yeah, but, <laughs> so you, yeah, 
So yeah, that's what I played with. I that was my first stick, and I don't know how I don't know how um, long you know how long it, it was. Probably somewhere in the fifty inches um, range, and uh, and I'm not sure how soon after that where they made you know you had to go with the longer ones or the you know the forty I guess forty two inches was the was the was the yeah the Darren Muller special. Oh, is that what he played? He played with as an attack as an attackman. Darren Muller was a defenseman at Brown, 1986. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was a pretty good one too. Jeez. How could I for? How could I forget? He played with a, sm- a, a smaller stick. Yep. Oh wow. Okay. Nasty. So, yeah, that, was that was my first stick, and so um, first year um, as a varsity program, we went we went um, five and thirteen, um, and then the next year. Um, I moved to short stick. I moved to midfield. I moved to midfield. Um, and, um, but not only midfield, I ended up because, um, we, there was a, there was an incident with our team and, and my coach, uh, ended up, um, dismissing probably, I can't remember, probably half the team. Wow. And, um, and so we, 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 we probably had, you know, 18, 19, 20, 20 guys. Um, and then he brought up some guys from JV who were like eighth, ninth graders, just, you know, guys that could, you know, help us through practice. And so that, when I look back on my career in terms of my development, Jamie, that was a, that was a huge year because um, not only did I play midfield, I played attack, I played man up, I played man. I was on the field the whole, the whole game basically. And, um, and so that, that year was a huge year and just in terms of my overall, you know, development, uh, whether it was with stick skills, whether it was just understanding the game, and um, we went 10 and eight. We went 10 and eight my second year. Uh, and then my senior year, we, um, we went, you know, we ended up being 14. We were 14 or four regular season, had a couple landmark wins against Ithaca and Vesto. Those were the teams that were, you know, traditionally very strong teams. And, um, you know, we, that were, those were our first, you know, you know, those signature wins that, you know, that, that programs get. We never were able to beat Corning East, who back then was a powerhouse. Um, and, um, uh, you know, so that they were the one team I didn't beat, but so we ended up being 14 and four regular season loss, lost in a heartbreaker in our sectional playoff game against Ithaca. We had split there in the regular season and they beat us by a goal in the, um, and the, um, and the sectionals. And so, um, so yeah, three, three years, uh, we went from five and 13 to 10 and eight or to, 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 to uh, 14 and five. Uh, and again, I, I mentioned coach Moffitt, um, and the type of coach he was. Jamie, we weren't a very skilled team. We weren't. I mean, how, how much skill can you develop, you know, in, in a couple of years? You can improve, yeah, but we were playing against programs that were, you know, they were starting, you know, youth, you know, when the kids were in, you know, youth age. And so, um, but we were, we were well coached. Um, he preached, you know, fundamentals, and we were a team that was, um, was in shape. And if um, you've heard me say it a couple of times now, um, um, if you look at me and the, my philosophy as a coach to, to this day, it's, it's a lot of those principles, you know, my team, you know, uh, I pride my teams on being in pretty good shape. Um, we do stress a lot of the fundamentals. Um, and, um, I got it from coach Moffitt and, you know, I, I realized that you don't have to be, a, you know, maybe the most skilled team or uh, I'm not even sure the most athletic team, um, to, to win games. Um, certainly athletic ability and, and skills, help don't get me wrong um but um you certainly can get to certain points just on the basis of being a team that's in really good shape being a team that's fundamentally sound 
Um, and so that that's where I got my philosophy that I that to this day um, is a big part of who I am as a coach. And so, um, um, uh, you know, I thought I was going to go on and play football. I was a football player. I played quarterback. I was a defensive back. Um, I wasn't looking at any big time colleges back then. Some some Division three schools, some pretty good Division three schools. Ithaca was pretty good back then, and and um, and so. Uh, I, I was thought I was going to play football, but Coach Moffitt, here, you know, here he comes along again. Not only did he introduce me to the sport, but now he's telling me that, Rick, I think you could go, you know, and play at a fairly high level of, uh, in lacrosse. And I didn't know, you know, do you think, really? Um, and so um, I thought I was going to go play at Hobart. Right? I was recruited to play football in lacrosse at Hobart um, my, my junior, senior year. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't um, hold up my end of the bargain academically, and so I didn't get. Ultimately, didn't get admitted to Hobart. Um, I, I was going to go to the junior college rank for a year and then transfer to Hobart. That was the plan. And I don't know if you remember back then. You know, junior college was junior college lacrosse. There were some awfully good teams: the Nassau's, the Farmingdale's, yeah, um, Colville This place called Colville You know, up in you know upstate New York near Albany. Um, you know, had this very, very good lacrosse team and Herkimer, um, you know, Coach Worm had just started coaching there and they were, you know, a team on the rise. And so I came down to Herkimer and uh, Cobleskill and I decided to go to Cobleskill. Um, and again, I thought I was going to go for a year and then transfer, but, you know, I get there and, and my grades still didn't improve. And, and so I ended up staying two years at Cobleskill before transferring to Washington College. Um, a lot of people have asked me, how did you get to Washington College? Here you are, this upstate New York kid, and, and, and you end up at Washington College. Well, Terry Corcoran had taken over the program at Washington College the year before. I guess this was 1983. Um, and um, his father coached at Corning. He was the one who built the Corning East you know, powerhouse program that they had for, right. for a ton of years. And, um, of course, he was you know, played at Hobart. He was really good friends with my high school coach. Um, and so – he gets the Washington College job and, um, uh, you know, started to recruit me to come down and, and play for him. So that's how I ended up going to Washington College. Um, played, you know, two years for, for Terry Corcoran, um, whereas Coach Moffitt introduced me to the sport and really set the foundation for the type of athlete that I became in terms of a work ethic, in terms of, you know, working on the fundamentals. Coach Corcoran took my game to the next level, Jamie. He, he did. And, and, and I suppose it came along at a good time. I was five years into playing the sport, three years in high school, two years as a junior college um, a player. I actually played attack. I played attack in, in, in junior college um, and then moved back to midfield when I got to Washington College. Um, but Coach Corcoran, very similar to Moffitt in a lot of ways. Um, he was, a, he was a, you know, just a tough coach, I believe, in fundamentals and condition. But he allowed me to expand my game. He taught me things, um, you know, offensively, um, put me in, in, in a position to be, uh, you know, very successful. Um, and so enjoyed a couple, um, you know, just really good years there. Um, because he meant as much as he did to me, I decided to stay for a couple of years and help him coach. Um, and that's when I first got into coaching, um, you know, giving back to him. And uh, myself and Steve Bevel, you know, uh, Coach, Coach yep. Bevel, he and I both graduated at the same time and, and both decided to get into coaching and give back, to, you know, to Coach Corcoran. And, of course, back then, 
you know, assistant coaches. I mean, it was, you know, you had to do other things to make ends meet. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I was working in a sporting goods store, getting up in the morning, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Of course, Eastern Shore, they're really into hunting. And so during hunting season, you know, they're coming in early to get, you know, ammunition and, you know, and, and things from the sporting goods store. So that was me. I was up, you know, early and then I'd go to, you know, go to work all day and, and do the same thing that, you know, day after day. So, um, um, spent two years working at Washington college, um, you know, just becoming a coach and being on the other side. It's one thing to be a, a player. And then now you go to the other side, you know, where you're trying to explain kids what you want them to do, <laughs> you know, and finding challenges in that at times, why aren't they getting it as quickly as, you know, I, I, I I, I thought that I used to. Now, I'm sure I was no different than them <laughs> in a lot of ways, um, where it took me probably 20 times to get it down. And, um, of course, you forget about those times. But um, so, yeah, there's where I first got into coaching. Um, and, um, you know, from there, I ended up going to D.C., um, hooking up with um, some, some co- high college buddies of mine, coached at St. Albans for three years. Um, and then kind of a, um, you know, when I look back at my life and I – you know, say, wow, you know, this journey that I've been on, this tremendous journey, you know, where did it all start? Well, as I mentioned, Coach Moffitt convinced me to play lacrosse. Um, little did I know it would, you know, lead me to where it has over the last, you know, um, you know, 40 years. Um, and and then, you know, Coach Corcoran and what he's meant to me, um, you know, taking my game to the next level, allow, uh, you know, develop me into an All-American player. Um, unbelievable. And then I get into the coaching side, and I'm fortunate enough to work alongside a guy by the name of Dave Yurick, you know, for eight years. Um, a guy that I thought I would, you know, at some point would be playing lacrosse for him. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and obviously that didn't work out. But um, um, I'm at St. Albans. He gets the job at Georgetown, 1989 this is. Um, Which, by the way, was a huge – that was a, you know, rock the lacrosse world, this legendary coach that had won like 11 championships in a row or something insane at Hobart. Yes. The job that everyone's been waiting to see, which is Georgetown University lacrosse. And uh, you got to be, you know, right, right, right at the beginning of that. That was an exciting time for lacrosse in 1990 or 91. You, you nailed that. I was just going to say that was huge news. People don't realize how big... I know when Coach Tierney left Princeton to go to Denver, that was big news too, you know. And um, this was very similar. Like, oh my God, Coach Yurick, you know, was going from Hobart to, to Georgetown. And so that first, yeah, his first year, because St. Albans and Georgetown, especially where we practiced, they're only about a mile apart, but we would practice. We had to take a bus to practice. And it was right across the street from Georgetown. And so Coach, um, Coach Yurick would come over. We knew each other because I'd worked lacrosse camps um, for him. And, um, uh, but we didn't know each other that well, but he, you know, we still knew each other to, you know, to some degree and he would come over and just watch practice. Um, and then he's, you know, he'd come to our games, you know, watch our games. And, um, and so at the end of that year, and, and when he took the job at Georgetown, they told him that they didn't have the resources at that time to support a full-time assistant coach. So he'd have to make do with, you know, part-time assistance that first year. But then his second year, they would have the resources to allow him to bring in a full-time assistant coach. So at the end of that, his first year, um, 
out of the blue, really. I'll be honest with you. We had just, I just lost a heartbreaker. St. Albans lost to Landon in a heartbreaker. I think it was a one goal game. We lost, had to leave most of the game and, and they, they kind of stole it at the end. Um, and, um, and I, so I'm, you know, I'm disappointed, you know, for my guys and, you know, you know how it is. Your season's over, you know, you lose on a heartbreaking loss. I mean, it, you know, it's just, it's tough for a couple of days there. Yeah. Um, and so he calls me one day out of the blue and says, Rick, Hey, look, I, you know, I, I, I have this, you know, full-time assistant position open and, um, I'd like to offer it to you. Um, I'm like, Holy smokes, you know, dear Dave Yurick. <laughs> you know, Georgetown, Georgetown University, holy smokes. Um, and, um, you know, it took me every bit of 15 seconds to go, yeah, I would be more than happy to, um, you know, come on board and help him build the program. And so that's what, that, that was the beginning. Um, you know, that's how, you know, I got to Georgetown. And again, I was there for eight years. Um, not only, and this is, you know, Coach Yerrick, um, there's so many stories I could just tell you about the, the, the man and how humble and the things that I learned from him, and even to this day that, you know, I'll, I'll, if I'm stuck in a situation, you know, what would Coach Jurek think about this? And, and um, unfortunately, I can't talk to him like I used to. I, I think we all know that, you know, right now he's suffering from some, some Alzheimer's. So, um, you know, you can't have the conversations like you, you know, you used to be able to, you know, 10, 15 years ago and seek advice from him the way I once did. But, um, you know, he, he taught me, um, he showed me so many things, you know, the coaching, you know, I was a, I was a young coach, you know, I was a fiery coach, you know, he taught me there was another way, you know, and he, as much as we did, we did need to work hard, you know, making sure that the, the kids are having fun on the practice field. That was one of the first lessons I learned from him. Yeah. Uh, I think most of his players would tell you he was more of a player's coach. Um, and, um, uh, you know, the way he structured practice, um, we, you know, we scrimmaged a lot, you know, he wanted the guys to play an awful lot. Um, and, um, and, and, and so, um, you know, but the life lessons that I learned from him too, you know, how humble he was, a, a great family man he was, um, you know, he, he, you know, he, he was, you know, probably one of the funnier guys uh, that I, that I know probably not to the top five, of, you know, just love to just, even in the most intense moments, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're in a fourth quarter battle with, you know, Syracuse, he's going to, he's going to make the guys feel comfortable. He's going to make them feel relaxed. You know, here I am. I want to like, come on, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to. Um, and I do think there was a part of that that he liked, you know, and he wanted out of me. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at his assistants, you know, back then, you know, BJ O'Hare was similar to me, Terry Corcoran. So um, I don't know if you want to call a good cop, bad cop, you know, where, you know, he wanted his assistants to be at times a bad cop and he would be the good, the good cop. Um, but um, however way, I don't know if it was by design or by luck, but man, he made it work. And, and um, um, uh, you know, the, the players enjoyed practicing for him, playing for him. Um, now he could be hard if he needed to, you know, as you know, at times he, he certainly would lay the, the, the but, but then they, it, it means that much more when, you know, it's not something that you're used to seeing from the coach. You know how that is, right? And that it's like the same thing with captains or leaders, you know, um, you know, if you're always going to be a yeller and screamer, um, it's going to, at some point it's going to lose its, its, its impact. Um, and, um, um, and, and it works that way the other way, you know, being the way he was, man, when he does lay the law down, you know, the players knew that he was serious. So, um, 
but we had a ball, Jamie. He, you know, he loved to eat. You know, he really was one of those guys that just, you know, you know, he, he was quick with the one-liners. He's got all these just great, you know, great sayings that, that I still use. You know, nobody walks with the, you know, when guys are not running around, on the, nobody walks with the mailman. Of course, guys don't even know that, you know, there was a mailman that once used to be able to deliver, you know, had to deliver their mail, your mail to, to your door by walking from house to house, not driving in a, you know, not driving in a, uh, a little truck there and dropping it off in your mailbox. But um, um, just a bunch of one-liners that, that he, you know, that just, you know, just keeps you cracking up, um, you know, from the start of practice to the end. All the while, what we were getting work done, though. That, that's the main point um, is that, you know, the way we structure practice, um, you know, we were, we were definitely getting, you know, you know things done. But um, so, um, so that's a quick shot, a snapshot. I don't want to keep going on and on and on. But Yeah, that was um, great. It's just uh, it's amazing how, you know, how life goes and the people that you just happen to run into and the opportunities that you just happen to be presented with. And then it's obviously up to you to, to make the most of it. Um, and, uh, you know, your, your first head coaching job was at Dartmouth. What year did you take that job? Like 99? That was 99. Correct. Yeah. And so, um, give us a little bit of a, a snapshot of what it was like to be at Dartmouth. We're going to whip through Dartmouth, St. John, Stony Brook, cause we want to talk more about Navy. But just give us uh, give us a little snapshot of of um, what it was like at those schools, what you learned, um, and um, you know what your what your next opportunity led you to. Well, the first and foremost about Dartmouth, um, and people thought I was crazy, and you 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 might have been one of them. <laughs> um, you know, the two coaches prior to me going up there had effectively ended their coaching careers there, so I remember. You know, people tell me it's a graveyard for coaches. You know, what are you doing going up there now? I think you're the only one that didn't end his career there. Yeah, yeah. That's a good – yeah, I've been looking back. Um, now, they, one of the reasons why I did think maybe I had a chance of doing something there was they did – they were in the process of building an AstroTurf field, which I thought was huge, right? You're up in Hanover, New Hampshire, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and um, you know, you don't have an AstroTurf field. Uh, that is, you know, that, that, that's going to put you behind the eight ball. So that, that was a, that was a big, um, you know, knowing that that was being built, that was, you know, that, 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 you know, certainly impacted my willingness to, 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 um, to go up there. But um, um, I think back on the, that, that those times and that year, you know, Jamie, they say the five, the five biggest things a, a man will experience in his life is, you know, a move, a marriage, a kid, you know, a job, um, I forget the other, uh, and a house, buying a house. I experienced all that. I got, I was engaged my last year at Georgetown. Um, we ended up getting married September 5th. So I'm at Dartmouth. I moved to Dartmouth that summer. Um, you know, we move, we get married, we buy a house, we get new jobs, and we have, we have a kid all within a year, <laughs> all within a year. So that's a banner year right there. Yeah, that's a heck of a year. I, I checked the box off. I got it done in a, you know. I got it done in a hurry. So, um, but yeah, took over program, um, you know, that didn't have, didn't have a lot of success, um, you know, for a number of years. And as I said, people, you know, certainly question, you know, whether I could, you know, turn it around and, and, um, um, you know, with a little luck, um, and it took, you know, it took, you know, it took some time. Um, we were able to turn things around, ended up, you know, co-champs in the, in the Ivy leagues beat Princeton. That was a big, big win. Uh, we yeah. At Princeton, 
um, you know, that was, you know, probably going down as one of the bigger wins in my career as an athlete or, or, or as a coach. Um, and, um, you know, we ended up going up to Syracuse that year in the NCAA tournament and lost a, a close game with them. Um, it was ended up being a two-goal game, but it really was a one-goal game. We had the lead in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, Michael Powell, there's a reason why Michael Powell is, you know, um, Michael Powell, he, you know, he, he, you know, he turned it up an, another level. We just couldn't, couldn't hang with him there. But um, it's, well, one thing people maybe don't know uh, is that uh, you, you won this. I mean, you, you won the league at Dartmouth. Um, you also did some phenomenal recruiting and, and maybe one of the better teams that they ever had uh, coach uh, currently. Now you recruited Ryan Danhe, right? And, and, no question. and that whole class was some great kids, uh, the kid from Brunswick. And that was a yeah, class that went on and was an excellent class. Um, and by the way, your assistant coach for at least a few of those years was, Lars Tiffany, who's now the head coach at Dartmouth and was my right. former teammate. And uh, it's just a couple of things that people maybe just didn't know is that, you know, you really did impact that program big time on a lot of levels as a, as a recruiter, as a guy who won games, as a guy who set the program up for future success. And, and as a guy that was a mentor to one of the game's top coaches now. No, you, you are, I'm glad you brought that up and I appreciate, appreciate you doing so because, um, but, uh, but yeah, we did have some awfully good recruits. Um, you mentioned, you know, Ryan Dennehy and Jamie Coffin and Brad Heritage, who, you know, was from Cheshire High School back, you know, back yeah. in the day. And the class before them, Ben Grinnell, he was a, he was one of my first big time recruits who crimped and that, that's one that comes tyranny. Um, you know, we don't, I probably don't talk about it to this day, but for a number of years, you know, he would, you know, he would bring up the fact that he let Ben Grinnell get away and, and yeah. you know, he ended up coming to Dartmouth. That was a huge recruit for us. This young man, Pat Keeley, who played, uh, you know, down at Georgetown Prep, um, and, um, and so yeah, those were some awfully good recruits. And and and, and Coach Tiffany was there uh, for a couple years, um, and 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 certainly helped uh, big. He was a big, you know, big part of it. Um, and actually, Dan Shimati, who's now the head coach at um, you know at Richmond, he was there with me for a year. I think it was just a year. Um, and and um, uh, you know, he that was his first year coaching, and so. Um, um, you know, he's gone on to do great things um, as an assistant at Loyola and now, you know, head coach at, at Richmond. So, um, um, so yeah, those were, you know, some, you know, some, some good, great recruits. And, um, I, you know, I had two great assistant coaches to help me along the way. And, and, and they've gone on to become, um, you know, some of the best coaches in our, in our sport. Um, but yeah, I was there again, the, you know, the five years and, you know, St. John's, <laughs> In the story there, it's kind of a you know kind of a funny story. Um, they must I must have turned them down two or three times, Jamie. Um, you know they kept calling me, asking me if I'd come down and visit, and I you know I was like thanks, but no thanks. Um, and then one day, I'm, I'm I'm literally I'm driving to Long Island to recruit, and um, I was going to get there early because you know Long Island and the traffic and you know getting over the bridges. I had to go to a high school game that was later in the day, but I, I was, I drove down early because I, again, didn't want to deal with traffic and um, I'm on my way down and the assistant um, AD um, called uh, call me, um, Rick Cole, who's now the, the, the athletic director at Hofstra. He called me and, and he's like, you know, Coach Soul, I, you know, I know, you know, we talked a couple of times and you haven't ex expressed a lot of interest, but man, you know, I'd like you, could we just get you to come down and just, you know, take a look? And so I said, well, man, he, he's, I'm thinking to myself, he keeps calling me, you know, it doesn't hurt me to go check it out. Well, 
I'm driving down there. He doesn't know it. I'm driving down there and I, and I knew I was going to have a lot of time, you know, and I was just going to grab a book or a magazine and read and, you know, kill time doing whatever. And so I said, I said, um, Rick, I said, um, okay, I'll come down and check it out. I said, what are you doing? What are you doing in, in two hours? <laughs> and, you know, of course he tells me after the fact that he was like, Oh my God, you know? And, and um, so he said, yeah, come on down, come on down. So I ended up going down there and, you know, listening to what they all had to say. And I was intrigued. I really thought that, you know, I felt that they were really committed to, um, you know, developing, you know, a, a, you know, a, a really good program. Um, as, as luck would have it, my wife was in, she worked in admissions um, and they were looking for someone, you know, in the admissions department. So as luck would have it, um, actually, she ended up getting a job before I was officially offered. Um, but that made that made my decision, you know, that much easier knowing that, you know, she, you know, we, you know, she had a job and 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 I was about to be offered, uh, the, you know, the, the head coach job there. And so that's how I ended up going down the, to, to St. John's. I, I would have never if I hadn't have gone down to recruit that day or if he had called me the next day, there's yep. no way I was going to go out of my way to go down. there. I just so happened to be on my way had some time before I was going to go see a high school game later that afternoon, evening, and said, well, hell, this would be a great way to kill some time, so I'll go check out St. John's, because they keep calling me. I might as well go check it out since I have the time. Um, but what happened there, unfortunately, with St. John's is I was there for three years, and three years I had three different athletic directors. And um, and so things changed from athletic director, you know, the, the athletic director who – Hired me and, and was going to promise me A, B, C, and D versus the next. The, the second guy was an interim, and then the third guy came in um, the, my third year. And um, priorities change, you know. And um, and so I felt bad, you know, the young men that I recruited, um, you know, that I was leaving leaving them. Um, but um, uh, meanwhile, I had um, Jim Fiore, who basically hired me at Dartmouth. He was he was on the head of the search search committee. He wasn't the AD at the time, but he was a young up and coming administrator. Um, he was at Dartmouth for a couple of years. He ended up being the right hand man at Princeton. He was the you know he wasn't the head guy. He was the right hand man uh, at Princeton. So when we beat them, we beat Princeton at Princeton. He was you know he was wearing you know the you know the you know the Princeton um, colors, and he was very proud of me, of course. Um, but he ends up getting the Stony Brook head athletic director's job um, a couple of years later. And um, he wanted me to come there as I was going to St. John's, but I committed to St. John's and, um, and um, you know, and, and so he ended up, Lars Tiffany ended up getting the, 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 head, the head job at Stony Brook. I don't know if you remember that. So, uh, Lars um, was at Stony Brook for maybe two years before he went to Brown. I forget how many years he was there. Yeah. Um, and so when he went to Brown, though, of course, the job's open again. There I am at St. John's for three years, three different athletic directors. You know, Coach uh, Jim Fiore comes to my house. He said, Rick, I'm coming to your house with a blueberry pie. Little did he know I wasn't a big blueberry pie fan. Uh, you know, apple, apple is my, my uh, go -to. you know, flavor of choice. But um, he and his assistant came to my house and, um, you know, we talked for hours on end. And that's, that's how I ended up going from St. John's to, to Stony Brook. Was at Stony Brook for five years. Um, you know, went to the NCAA tournament, went to the quarterfinals. Um, another great, you know, experience in my life. Um, you know, before finally, you know, coming down here, um, where I've been, um, you know, ever since. But um, 
so yeah, between Dartmouth, the St. John's, the Stony Brook, and now here at, 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 the, at, at the United States Naval Academy, I've been fortunate enough, Jamie, to coach at some great places. Georgetown University, you know, uh, uh, you know, a top school in the country, Dartmouth, Ivy League, you know, I mean, I used to say the word Ivy, that, talk about a powerful word, the word Ivy, you know, that is a very powerful word, as you know, you, you, you know, you're an Ivy League or yourself and coach, you know, at, at, at Yale. So you, you know what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, but, um, um, so I've been, I've been fortunate enough to coach. It's just some great places, um, um, have been around some great people, but when the opportunity came to coach at the United States Naval Academy, yeah, man, it was just different. You know, it was just different. Um, you know, these young men who are going to serve, you know, lead our country, um, you know, serve our great nation, um, you know, having the opportunity to work, you know, um, and be a part of that. Um, it, it was, um, it was a no brainer. Um, uh, I constantly remind myself and my team, you know, what an honor it is to play here. It's just an honor to play here. You know, you get to play for the United States Naval Academy you represent the United States Naval Academy, but as a coach, it's just as big of an honor for me to coach here. And, and, and I'm constantly reminding my team about that. Um, um, being a part and seeing, you know, what these young men go through on a daily basis and, and, and then and then be able to compete at a high level, Division One athletics, I don't know how they do it, to be honest with you, Jamie. I, I, at times I am in awe. I can't believe I'm saying this, um, um, but I, I am. I, like, I don't know how the heck you guys do it, you know. Like, there's not enough time in the day. Um, and here I am taking, you know, because we, we don't, we might a little bit, just a little bit in terms of the Division One NCAA time allotment. We max out. We just about max out. You know, everything, every, you know, everything everyone else is doing, we're doing just, we're doing 98% of it. You know, there may be some days where we can't do as much because they got to, you know, they got to go to a lecture, um, you know, that the whole, the whole brigade has to attend. And so they got to be in their seats at a certain time. So, you know, maybe we get, you know, 20, 25 minutes clipped off of our practice or whatnot. But 98% of the time, we're doing what every other Division One athlete is, is doing. You know, we're, we're lifting. We're in the, you know, we're, we're watching film, you know. Um, you know, of course, we're on the practice field, um, you know, two hours, you know, five, six days a week. So, um, it, it, you know, these young men um, are special. Um, you know, the, obviously the commitment that they're making, um, to serve our country, that in itself makes them special. Um, and then you add on, you know, the fact that they're competing at a high div division one level. Um, you know, it's incredible. It really is. Yeah. And I, I like I said earlier, um, I just was so blown away by everything about the place, uh, the campus, you know, the, 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 like you said, the, uh, the, just the whole tenor of everything where it's, uh, you know, these kids are having, a, they're having a blast with lacrosse, but then they're also like incredibly serious and motivated. And it takes a special person to be able to, to be able to do all that. And that's why, you know, they're being trained, you know, and uh, right. so for you to be able to have the, uh, as you say, the honor to, to coach at that institution and, and, and to mentor these kids and to help them achieve their dreams um, and, um, and, you know, to help them win, you know, and you guys uh, won a, a tournament game, in 2016, I believe, uh, yeah. uh, maybe at Yale. Yes, um, and, um, and, you know, you're one of the few coaches, honestly, not that many coaches that have won tournament games, much less won tournament games at two different institutions. Um, and uh, I hate to correct you, Jamie, but that's, there's three, three different ones. That's there's, it, only right? three of, there's only three of us. There's only three of us who've done it. And I think Lars joins it now because he, 
he took, uh, oh, he took Brown and now Virginia. I think it's myself, um, Tony Seaman. Bill Cherry. No, he's only taken two. Division one. Oh, you, oh, three to the tournament. Yeah, yeah. three to the tournament, right. Three to the tournament. Um, I think Tony Seaman, Jack Emmer, maybe. I think he took W now when they were, or no, maybe not Jack Emmer. Because W now was Division One, right? They were Division One at one point. Was he? Did he work? I forget who. I yeah. someone told me a couple of years ago that I was one of three people. One of three that have brought three to the tournament. Yeah, and one of very few that have won tournament games at multiple institutions. Right. I mean, winning a tournament game is a big deal, um, and uh, it's very hard to do. And it's like got to be got to be so incredibly exciting. Um, and uh, you guys, I went. Uh, I watched your Brown. Uh, uh, Navy game, you guys played, you know, I mean, I thought Brown with, with a healthy Dylan Malloy was about as good of a team as, as, as there was. I think they probably would have won the national championship. Um, I, I think out in your game, but you know what, they, they still go to the final four and almost like knock off Maryland without, mm-hmm. that's how good they were. And you guys they were, were very here. good. You guys played an amazing game. They so. were very, they were very good. Very, very good. Um, you know, that was, a you know, certainly that was a special, special year, special moment. I mean, that culminated, you know, another program. I, I, Jamie, I've never taken over a program that's had a winning. That's never taken over. And, and I tell my recruits this only from the only from the perspective that um, I, I, I'm just not afraid of a challenge. You know, and it's a challenge. You know, it's a challenge at the United States Naval Academy, and it's not for everyone, uh, for sure. Um, and um, you know, I, I will talk to our recruits, and I'll, and I'll give them a little. Um, you know, background of where I came from, just so they know, like who, you know, who is this guy, you know? And, and so I'll break it down to him. Um, and I've, I've never taken over a program that's, that's, I think Stony Brook was 500 um, before I, before I took over, but um, you know, you know, um, uh, you know, Dartmouth, of course, and then here at the Naval Academy and, and starting the program at, you know, St. John's and, and I just, you know, for me, it's like, well, it's a, you know, I'm not afraid for, of a challenge. Um, and, but that year we went, we went to the um, the NCAA tournament 2016, and um, you know we knock off Yale. That was a that was a you know great 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 moment um, because of all the hard work and coming here and going through the transition. I replaced a very popular coach. Um, you know that was no big secret. You know um, you know so coming in those first couple of years was not easy. It really wasn't, um, and it's not easy. Regardless, you know, coming to a place like the Naval Academy, um, and I used to, you know, tell people that it's it's like learning a different language, but more like Japanese, not not Spanish, <laughs> you know. And, and, uh, and uh, so that was good. That took a couple of years to understand, um, you know, how um, how to get the best out of these young men, knowing, you know, that they're doing so many other things. You know, the academic piece, the military piece. They don't over the summer. They don't get three months over the summer you know, to go and, and, you know, you know, play lacrosse, you know, they have professional training that they're, that they're doing and, and they do get time off, but it's very limited. And, and so, um, you know, just learning how to, you know, just to get comfortable with that and understanding, you know, the whole big picture and then how to take advantage of the times that, you know, that I get, you know, to improve our program. Um, you know, it, it definitely takes a couple of years to figure out. Um, and, um, uh, you know, that 2016 year, though, that was, um, you know, it was a special year because we had great senior leadership, this young man, Pat Kina and, and uh, Jules Gabino, uh, both our, our captains. Uh, Pat is a, a Navy SEAL. 
And Jules right now is um, he's up. He's going to be a nuke submarine. He's going to he's going to be working in you know nuclear submarines. So, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, wow. Um, that that is what that's the other thing that amazes me. Just some of these kids and what they're doing and and um, you know the grade point averages. It's like you got to be kidding. We have we've had young men who have four point here playing for me. You know, and and, and they're four old students. I'm like, how can that be? Like, what? <laughs> um, but when the opportunity came to coach at the United States Naval Academy, yeah, man, it was just different. You know, it was just different. Um, you know, these young men who are going to serve, you know, lead our country, um, you know, serve our great nation. Um, you know, having the opportunity to work, you know, um, and be a part of that, um, it, it was um, it was a no brainer. Um, uh, I constantly remind myself and my team, you know, what an honor it is to play here. Palace. It's just an honor to play here. You know, you get to play for the United States Naval Academy, you represent the United States Naval Academy. But as a coach, it's just as big of an honor for me to coach here. And, and, and I'm constantly reminding my team about that. Um, um, being a part and seeing, you know, what these young men go through on a daily basis and, 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 then, and then be able to compete at a high level, Division One athletics, I don't know how they do it. To be honest with you, Jamie, I, I, at times I am in awe. I can't believe I'm saying this, um, um, but I, I am. I like. I don't know how the heck you guys do it. You know, like, there's not enough time in the day, um, and here I am taking. You know, because we, we don't. We might a little bit, just a little bit, in terms of the Division One NCAA time allotment. We max out. We just about max out. You know, everything. Every. You know, everything everyone else is doing. We're doing just, we're doing 98% of it. You know, there may be some days where we can't do as much because they got to, you know, they got to go to a lecture, um, you know, that the whole, the whole brigade has to attend. And so they got to be in their seats at a certain time. So, you know, maybe we get, you know, 20, 25 minutes clipped off of our practice or whatnot. But 98% of the time, we're doing what every other Division One athlete is, is doing. You know, we're, we're lifting, we're in the, you know, we're, we're watching film, you know, um, you know, of course, we're on the practice field, um, you know, two hours, you know, five, six days a week. So, um, it, it, you know, these young men um, are special, um, you know, obviously the commitment that they're making um, to serve our country, that in itself makes them special. Um, and then you add on, you know, the fact that they're competing at a high div- division one level. Um, you know, it's incredible. It really is. They would have had no problem at Copas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, boy, you know, the fact that, you know, here I am a Boston college grad. Um, they brought me to a class. They brought me to a class. So they, you know, once a year they'll have, you know, coaches go to class. And so I'll go to class and there's where you really, there's where you really, it it really hits you how smart I went and sat in on a thermodynamics class with a couple of our seniors, Ian Burgoyne and uh, Ryan Wade. Um, and, and, and I run in there like, I'm going to take notes, you know, and I'm going to, you know, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to just try to learn something today. And I, I, after about five minutes in class, smoke was coming out of my ears. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, you know? And, and obviously I was coming in, it was probably back in October. So, you know, it wasn't like they were starting, you know, the first day and going from there. So I was coming in, in the middle of, of something, but um, just the way that they were talking and this professor who was great, he was a great teacher. Um, I just sat there and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> where's, where's that gym class when I, I told him? I said, fellas, next time you want me to go to class, 
let it make it be, you know, you know, golf, golf class or, you know, or volleyball class. Uh, they got a laugh out of that, but um, it's unbelievable what they, it is. What the Philacrosophy podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Lacrosse Academy. This 13-week online program is designed to teach cutting-edge lacrosse skills and IQ. Athletes will learn dozens of new techniques, creative drills, X's and O's, and most importantly, how to integrate it all into their game. For more information, go to www.jm3academy.thinkific.com. Hey, Ricky, um, for as long as I uh, remember you coaching against you, watching your teams, You've always run some variation of a, of a one four one, and uh, and you still are. And I um I just wonder, like, what you know? How does that fit into your offensive philosophy? What 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 is your philosophy, and why do you love that set? And kind of how has it evolved over the years? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, you know, it um my, well starting off with my philosophy, I I, I um, I'm a big fan of. Um, you know, just again, goes back to my, I guess my, um, my high school coach teaching me the fundamentals. Um, you know, I break it down where, you know, we're, I like the four guys that play in concepts more than, more than, you know, we're going to go from point A to point B and then, you know, then we're going to go to point C to point, you know, point D. Um, I try to, I try to coach it. So we're, you know, you know, you know, we we like to dodge off the pass, for example. You know, we want to, you know, we want to dodge off the, you know, dodge off the pass. You know, we want to move that ball around, and we want to catch that defensive guy coming out after us. Maybe not, you know, totally fundamentally sound the pass, and that's when we want to attack them. You know, and and a lot of stuff that we do is very similar to what everybody else is doing. You know, you want to dodge away from the, you know, pass for for the most part. There are there are some, you know, exceptions to the rules. Um, I'm a big fan, Jamie, big fan um, on shot selection. Uh, I really do think that certain shots are turnover shots. So, um, you know, we try to, you know, we try to practice the shots that we want them to take in games. Um, every now and again, they'll stray, they'll stray from me and then they'll hear it. They'll hear it. But, um, you know, that's another thing that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan on. But in terms of, in terms of the, you know, the one for one set, um, you know, I think, you know, it just gives you a little bit of everything in terms of spacing, um, you know, wing, you know, being able to, the ability to wing dodge, the ability to dodge from behind, the ability to dodge from up top. Um, you have, you know, if you have some talented inside players, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to have some, some talented inside players too. Um, you know, Jordan McBride comes to mind, you know, my days at Stony Brook. I mean, he was just an unbelievable, you know, inside player, could catch everything. Um, and so, um, you know, so I've been fortunate enough to have some pieces behind. You need a guy that can, you know, can get to the goal line extended. He doesn't even necessarily have to, you know, be able to turn the corner consistently. I, I just feel if you can get to the goal line extended, it puts pressure on the defense. And from there, other things will open up, you know, and, um, and so, but I've been fortunate enough to have some pretty good players, um, you know, to play, you know, X behind as, as well. And so, um, those are some of the, the pieces um, we do like to attack the middle of the field. Not, that I got from the Canadians. I'll be honest. You know that that you know, you know that's something that's evolved since you know coaching at Stony Brook. 
um, and becoming more familiar with the box lacrosse and how they, you know, you have to attack the middle of the field and box lacrosse. If you're, you, you know, if you think you're going to make a living dodging down the alleys and indoors, you, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to be playing all that long. That's for sure. So, um, you know, I've, I've kind of taken that philosophy um, and, inter, and interwoven it in because I've always have been a, a coach that I just don't want them taking just shots that are just high probability that the goalie's going to save and, and, and it's a fast break the other way. It really, that is a, that's probably my biggest pet peeve. If you ask any of my players, you know, they'll tell you that, man, coaches just hate, you know, certain shots. Um, and, um, and so typically we don't, if you look at our shots, um, we don't shoot, you know, we, you know, some teams are shooting 50 times a game, you know, that's not, that hasn't been, you know, you look at my stats or my team stats and, and that, that, that's not one of the things that we do. Um, and, um, and so, um, but you know, now I've been able to, um, evolve again, the Canadian, the two man game, which, uh, you know, it, you know, uh, it, it ain't going, it's not going anywhere anytime soon that, that has become, you know, very popular, um, whether it's big littles, Big bigs, little you know, any combination of a two-man game on the wings, behind, up top, um, that has become a staple in our game. And if and if you're not doing it offensively, you, you better be practicing it defensively because you're going to see it. <laughs> you know, you're going to see some fashion of it. Uh, you know, somewhere along the line, and and most team does does some variation of it. Um, but um, I give credit to again the number of Canadian players that have come down to you know to play field lacrosse over the last 10, 15 years, and you know what I'm talking about. You were a big part of uh, of that, you know, out of Denver and, and and recruiting Canadian players and the impact that they've had on the game um, over the uh, again over the last 15, 20 years. So it's evolved from that way, um, and um, you know, there's just so many different things that you can do out of a one-four-one set, and and. And I'll be honest, you can start in one four one and you can, you know, you can morph into a two two two. And you can morph and you can kind of work in and out of different sets, which we you know, we do. Um, you know, you know, you know, you can go from a two three, you know, two three, two 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 to um, you know, to one four one or a three one two. That's another popular set too. Right. Um that we that we use. Um and so um so yeah, those those are kind of the basic um components of it. Um you know, we want to try to dodge off the pass. Now, that's another thing that I've changed a little bit with me um, recently. Um, you know, you know, being able to—I call it slides. I know you call it something different. Say we're on the wing, we get the pass on the wing, and while we're waiting for that that two-man game to come out, you know, that that whether he comes from the crease, and mostly he is going to come from the crease. You know, having our, you know, having the the guy with the ball occupy his defender, and I call it sliding. Yeah. Where you, you know, you're kind of riding up, riding up, you know, you're, you're setting up, you know, uh, you know, that move, whether, you know, you're going to put that foot in the ground and boom, go, or whether you're going to take advantage of the, you know, the pick top side or underneath. Yeah. Um, but you, one of the, I think, um, one of the basics of playing a two-man game is the guy with the ball has to, he's got to convince that defender, you know, that, you know, he's got to make sure that defender's drawing his attention on him. And not worrying about what's happening behind him, even though his teammate may be telling him, pick coming, pick coming. You know, here I am setting up my dodge to attack. Um, and sometimes, though, you'll get that defender worrying too much about where that pick. And that's the great time. That's the perfect time to, to make a move. You know what I'm saying? So we spend a lot of time on, I call it sliding. You slide up, you slide up, and then boom, you attack. And, um, and so it's not, 
is catch it and go as it used to be. We're, we're, we're mixing it in there between the two of them. And I think it's working out well for us these days. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, uh, it's, it's the distraction of having a pick there, you know, uh, allows you to just not use the pick and that can be just as effective as using a pick. No question. Yeah. You know, the, um, you know, the other thing about one fours is, um, there, it, it seems like just about every offense ends up in a one four. I agree. At one point in time. And of course, when you push your one four down low to the goal line and your X guy has to fade back, that's where it really becomes a two, two, two. So most offenses when you're behind kind of become a two, two, two in one way, shape or form. Yep. Um, and um, you know, I think that what you've been able to do is just take, I, I think the one, four, one teaches really, really basic principles. And I think that's really the fundamentals of like your background as a, the way you grew up playing. And those fundamentals are dodge, pass, pass, dodge, yep. dodging off the catch. You know, yep. um, two players inside with uh, good spacing. Um, and, you know, just those are, I mean, you know, that, that might sum it up right there. Oh, no, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you, yeah, you took, <laughs> you, you took, you know, five minutes of me, um, you know, talking and, and summed it up perfectly because it is the basic principles. And I do try to keep everything that I do, you know, I, I do believe in the keep it simple approach, you know, just basic Um I'm sure at times we probably do a few things that, that, that are, uh, you know, level above that. But, um, you know, I just think, you know, it's a, you know, just keep it simple. All right. Um, that's easier said than done though. I, 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 I get that, but, um, I think you hit the nail right on, right on the head and, um, you know, it, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's worked, it's, it's worked well for me and uh, hopefully it will continue to. Yeah. So you and I love talking lacrosse, um, I think we both really love sharpening our saw, so to speak. Um, how are some ways that you you go about that? I mean, there's a lot of coaches out there. I think the best ones put the, put the most time into learning and not being afraid to try new things and change things up. We were talking about that a little bit, you know, uh, before we got started on our podcast. Maybe you could share with some of the listeners how you go about learning new things and, and your attitude towards you know, experimenting in, in the laboratory of your, your team. Oh man. I, 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 if you ask my seniors, um, you know, you know, four years ago, what we were doing versus the things that we're doing now and the different drills, they'll, they'll tell you that, man, you know, coach, um, he's always trying to tinker with something and, um, um, which I think for them is good. You know, um, it, it, it you know, it, it, it avoids that, you know, the monotony of doing the same thing over and over again. You can do other things and still get the same, you know, have the same effect as, as you know, as you know, with a different drill. Um, and so that that's, um, I just, I'll be honest, I just, you know, and and again, you and I talked about it earlier, and there probably are some drills that that I should be doing um, that I've moved on from just because you know I'm into something else. But hey, it, it really it's simple. You know, you learn from people like yourself. Um, you know, um, you know, you, you and I have talked and seems like every time I talk to you, I, I pick up something and I'm like, man, I'm going to use that, you know, <laughs> the next time, you know, that we go to practice or, um, you know, the, I've been fortunate enough to know, you know, it's just a lot of great coaches, you know, the Dave Cottles, the Don Stargios, the Bill Tierney, the Don Zimmermans and the Tony Siemens as an assistant coach, just going and picking their brains and just, you know, trying to, trying to learn as much as you can, um, um, you know, the Canadians going up to Canada, you know, you're up there a couple of summers ago. Um, 
you know, teaching and teaching kids, you know, playing bots. I go up, I take a day to go up there and, 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 and just learn, you know, um, from you, from bots lacrosse. Um, so I, 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 that, that's, you know, videos will come by. I'll get these random emails from, you know, and I'm going to watch, you know, and if I can learn, you know, if it's just one thing, it's something a little different that, that, that can just spice up what I'm already doing. Um, I, I just love doing it. And so um, for any young coach out there, um, you know, that, that, you know, is trying to figure it out, just, you know, watch as much, even watching, watching high school games, watch, I'll go watch, you know, the high school kids warm up, um, and they'll be doing a stick drill or shooting drill. Oh, that's a nice drill. I'm going to do, I'm going to add that, you know? And so it's not necessarily learning from college coaches. Um, I'll learn from high school coaches. I'll learn from college coaches. Obviously now we have pros and, you know, picking their brains as well. Um, I, I just think that that's, um, you know, I think you, as a coach, you know, shame on you if you think you know it all, um, um, because, um, you know, there's, there's, there's always another way and maybe a better way, maybe a different way that has the same effect. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for that. Um, and, um, and again, just use you as a great example where, you know, some of your, po- I'm listening to your podcast, I'm watching, you know, some of the, the things that you're doing and, and you ask my players now that we're doing them and, we're even naming some of these drills after you. So I, I do give credit. I do give credit from where I, where I get some, some of these drills. And, and, um, and so, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, uh, it's a big part of, you know, just having the flexibility or the mindset where, you know, you're, you're just never done learning. Um, if you just take that philosophy and, you know, and just work with it, um, you know, you're going to, your, your team's going to be excited because they're doing some different, some of the things that we've done the preseason, our guys love, our guys have loved it, you know? And, and so that's where I've gotten a little bit, I've been a little bit more cognizant of, um, and it just goes back to coach Yurik. I've mentioned early, you know, how he, how fun, how he wanted to make sure there was fun in practice. Um, sometimes you just can't, you just got to get in there. You got to do the work. Um, but the more you can, you know, whether it's drills, whether it's competition, um, you know, the more you can, uh, especially at a place like the Naval Academy, where these guys have had a full day, um, you know, do do they understand that they have to come out to practice and work hard? Absolutely, absolutely. They they get it. They understand that. Um, but there are times where, you know, you set the practice up where they can come and and just get a you know like a good fun practice in. I think that just goes a long way. Yeah. Um, just in terms of team psyche, team morale. No um, doubt. And getting, you know, getting stuff done and having fun are not mutually exclusive. You can definitely do both. And I also want to say that, um, you know, Coach Soul in the Navy program are subscribers to the uh, JM3 Coaches Training Program. And I'll tell you what, that makes me very proud to have uh, guys like you. But it just comes down to, you know, the, your desire to, 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 to get better and to learn. And I think, you know, you and I both share that. We love talking lacrosse. And one of the points I wanted to make, I, I, I remember over the years talking to a lot of coaches and being like, you know, what do you think about this? And they're like, wow, that's really cool. I was like, you going to try it? And they're like, no, no, you know, I, I'm really, you know, I don't, I don't want to screw my guys up or I don't want to, you know, and, and, and my take on it is, is that, um, you know, they're going to get better at lacrosse no matter what you're doing. Don't be afraid to try something because, it's not going to make them worse. If you're a good coach and you're getting them reps on stuff, it's only going to open their eyes. And you said you learn from high school coaches. You learn from, 
you know, college coaches, you learn, you, you can also learn from your players when they do something a little bit different. And when you start watching how your players react to different things, that's one of the greatest places that a coach can learn. It's like, you know, when they don't do it the way you asked them to do it and you're like, well, that wasn't what we were trying to do, but I really like that. You know, that's going <laughs> in the mix. Um, and uh, what are your thoughts on some of those topics? No, you're right on. You're right on. And, uh, and, and I take input from our guys. Um, you know, they'll, 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 you know, whether you, 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 you um, uh, had a pretty good example uh, just in terms of, you know, maybe not doing it quite the way you wanted to do it, but you know, an unintended consequence, something else comes out of it. And you're going, yeah, but, um, you know, we'll even, they'll even come to me and, and, and they'll, they'll want to tweak this or tweak that. And, and I'll be like, okay, yeah, let's try it. You know, they, 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 I'm that type of coach, Sam. I really am. And I, and I, you know, there are times I'm hard on my guys. I'm, you know, I, I believe that I'm a fair, but firm coach. Um, yeah. and I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. You know, I, I don't, I don't shy away from that. I think our, you know, people who play for me know that, um, or, you know, know that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get the most out of you. Um, I'm going to push you, but, um, at the same time, I like to have fun at practice too. You know, um, I, I don't know how many coaches, how many coach, head coaches out there bring their stick out to practice, but I got a stick in my hand. If I don't have my stick in my hand at practice, I am lost. You know, I like to feed guys in drills. I used to warm up the guys. I put that years ago, you know, I, you know, when I, but I had to get uh, in, uh, in about the five-yard line to, you know, the score on the goalie, the five yards away to score on the goalie, then I, I figured, you know, then I, I probably should, you know, give that up to um, one of my assistant coaches. Um, but um, so, yeah, if, 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 if it's the drill that we didn't intend it to be and we come, we come up with something else out of it, um, you know, that that's just as good because, as you mentioned, um, at the end of the day, it's not going to make your players worse. Um um, and even if you don't like the drill or you don't get as much out of the drill as you hoped you would, you tried it and maybe something else comes out of it. Um, or you just move on, you know, and go back to a drill that you were doing, in, you know, in the past or you, or you find another one to accomplish, um, you know, what you're hoping to accomplish. But, um, that's just me. I, I, I'm not, I don't think I know it all. And I, I even tell my players, fellas, I'm pretty confident in, 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 you know, in what I'm doing, but I don't know it all. You know, I seek advice from my assistant coaches. You know, you know, from, you know, my captains, from my seniors, um, that, that's, that's the kind of environment that I've hopefully, you know, the kind of culture, you know, team player, coach, um, uh, you know, culture that, um, you know, allows our players to have some say, you yeah. know, in, in some of the things that we're doing. So it was obvious, you know, in hanging around for a entire day, you know, in meetings, you know, the way that Ryan ran his defensive meeting the first 10 or 15 minutes, uh, Coach Wellner's meeting was, uh, you know, the players giving feedback, you know, and that's just um, it's just the way you run your program. And it's, it's it was fantastic to watch. Um, the last topic here, Coach, is, um, is just about recruiting. Um, you know, so many people uh, get caught up in this whole world of recruiting and wanting to be recruited. Um the way I kind of look at this is why don't you find out what coaches are looking for and try to figure out the best way to be that. And I, and, and, and the reason why I say that is because so many people, they're just shotgunning their approach to, you know, doing more, more showcases and more teams and more of this and more of that, instead of actually working on what it takes to be what they're looking for. So maybe you could um, give us a little bit, 
of an idea of what you're looking for in, a, in an athlete um, and uh, the kind of character and the kind of skill that you're looking for, um, you know, overall at the Naval Academy? Well, for, first of all, um, that's, you know, it's a great topic to talk about, of course, and it's a big part of, it's a big part of, you know, our, of our job, let's be honest, you know, college coaches in any sport, right? Um, recruiting is, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, I'm a big fan of, of, of multi-sport athletes, Jamie, right off the top. Uh, I really do. Um, and that's not to say I won't recruit, you know, um, you know, someone who just plays lacrosse, don't get me wrong, but I love my multi-sport athletes for several reasons, for several reasons. Um, and, um, and, and so that, that's, that's a big part. I love, you know, again, whether it's a basketball player, football, side, whatever sport. Um, and we, over the years, I've had young men who have played a couple of sports, but in, he decides that he wants to, you know, only play lacrosse for whatever reason. Not, I don't want to get hurt for lacrosse season, or I want to, I want to totally focus on lacrosse and I get it. And I'm sure that they will spend, you know, time, you know, focusing more on lacrosse. Um, in the end though, I still don't think, um, you know, it's worth it when you're playing another sport. If for no other reason that you're competing in the other sport, that's the missing piece, you know, that, that these kids, when they quit playing another sport and they're just going to work out for lacrosse, and don't tell me even the fall lacrosse games that they're playing in are, you know, are, you know, you, you're not really competing. You're just playing, you know, and, 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 and that's, again, that's not bad. Uh, that's not bad. I'm not going to say it's the worst thing in the world, but man, when you're playing for a high school team and you're competing, I mean, that's an exercise that, man, it, it's just tough to get, you know, it's tough to get. Um, and as much as we want the athlete, we need the athlete, we need competitors too, you know, because, you know, you're playing to win. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose. And, um, you know, the more you can put yourself in that arena and deal with, you know, having to compete on the road, compete at home, big games, of course, playoff games, games that matter, put yourself out there. Um, I just think, you know, you just, you know, the more, the more, the more, the better. Um, so first and foremost, multi-sport athletes. Um, of course, you know, we're looking for young men that, that, you know, that, that, you know, the work ethic is there. Um, me and lazy players don't, don't, don't get along very well, to be honest with you. Um, and, um, um, you know, but the, you know, the work ethic, whether it's weight room or whether it's, you know, stick work, um, you know, whatever the case may be, I mean, that, that is important. No, no, no doubt about it. Um, I don't get caught up in size. <clears throat> you know, we have bigger guys, we have smaller guys, and, and that is the beauty of our sport, right? Size doesn't necessarily have to matter. Um, and so I'm not one of those coaches that, you know, going to recruit a certain profile. I'm just looking for, you know, a young man who's willing to work hard, um, who's coachable. All right. I do, you know, that's a big part, you know, um, um, you know, don't, don't come at me like, you know, it all and that you're, you know, that you're, you know, you're not willing to, to, to learn and get better. That's a big piece. Cause you can be as talented as you want. You can be the multi-sport athlete, but if, man, if you're going to be, stubborn and just not um coachable um and i you know it just um it's just not going to work here especially at a place like the naval academy where these young men for what they do and the commitment that they make um you know for each other forget about me forget about this place for each other um you know you got to be all in and you got to be coachable <clears throat> and, and not afraid to work hard so those are just some of the the things that you know i look for um i don't necessarily 
Um, because I'm I, I'm into that multi-sport athlete, the, you know, the guy with the shaky stick skill, that's fine. We'll work that, you'll, you will get better. You will get better, you know, once you start focusing just on lacrosse in college. Um, and so I don't necessarily, it's caught up, too, too caught up in, you know, where his skill level is. Um, after all, I started playing, you know, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and, um, and, you know, and I know things are different, you know, than they are now uh, or back then. Um, you know, you don't find too many young men starting as a sophomore in, in high school. But um, uh, if you're pretty, if you're good enough athlete, you can still become a good lacrosse player. Um, but um, so those are just some of the things that I that I focus in on, Jamie. And um, um, I, but I couldn't agree. One last thing, though. Um, I couldn't agree with you more with the, with the club, you know, the, the showcases out there. I don't think that that's the end all be all. I really don't in terms of your development. Um, thank God the rules have changed where, you know, kids can't commit as early as they used to. That slowed things down. That, that, that was a big help for sure. Because yeah. four or five years ago, eighth graders, ninth graders, um, you know, they're, they're coming, you know, even a place like the Naval Academy, you know, and they, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get recruited and, and maybe it's because their best friend, you know, who's a really good player just committed somewhere and now he feels like he's got to commit to somewhere and the parents get all tied up. I call it the musical chair effect. You know, no, nobody wants to be caught standing when the music stops, you know, so everyone's trying to, there was that race, that race to, you know, to be, you know, to, to, to find the home. And then of course, a year later, they're looking to go somewhere else, you know, this whole decommitment. And that's a, another topic for another day. The process has slowed down a little bit. And I think that's going to help those eighth graders and ninth graders not have to worry so much about going to a showcase to be seen, but maybe they can work on the basic fundamentals of their game, you know, and, and spend time, you know, whether it's, you know, um, uh, you know, just in, in the local, you know, during the summer playing, you know, locally um, or um, what have you. Um, there's not as many of the instructional camps these days. They've, they've basically gone by the wayside. I mean, you know, we have one that still is pretty good. Uh, you know, I know West Point has, does a pretty good job there, you know, too. But the instructional camps, you know, they're just, you know, they're just not happening as much. It's a team camp, it's a this or it's a that, or it's a showcase on the weekend. Um, that's why I think what you're doing, Jamie, is is awesome for young men who, who you know, um, you know, find out about you. I mean, you, I mean, <clears throat> talk about breaking it down and just allowing these guys to learn you know, all the things that they need to learn. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to be sending people, hey, go to Jamie Monroe, go, go to JM3, uh, you know, and develop your game because it's all right there, you know, for a young man to develop his game. I don't care if he's a youth league or even college, our guys are going to be going there. So um, I think you've really, um, there's a market there um, where um, a, a lot of young men can improve their games tremendously. And not a long time, not not taking a long time, and, and not being you know spending thousands of dollars to do it too. Right. So um, I know I'm giving you a plug, but um, I like it. You know, it, it um, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of yours, so there's that part of it too. But mm-hmm. let's be honest. I mean, you 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 do a great job, and and a lot of young boys can learn so much about the sport and develop from it um, by. Um, you know, following a lot of things that you, you put up online. I appreciate that, Ricky. And, and um, the last thing, you know, that I, I want to just quickly interject before we say goodbye here and is um, 
you know, I think you can, you, you, you need to go to some showcases. You need to play on a club team. You know, you obviously your high school is, is your biggest opportunity. Right. Um, but the thing that people don't realize is your opportunity to play these little three on three games with a tennis ball and a little net. And if you look at, you know, um, you know, the, the Thompson brothers and all the Iroquois, these guys are developing world-class skill in their backyard. And I think this is the part of the game and the opportunity that most people just do not realize um, is you can develop world-class skill in your backyard. No question. You know, there's no different than, I mean, how, how did, how did we going back, you know, yeah. these things weren't available to us. I mean, I, again, I started playing as a sophomore in high school, you know, I got our whole neighborhood, you know, we, I got, we, we got, you know, guys with sticks and we were playing, you know, we played with a tennis ball. We made a goal, a wooden goal. Right. We had some net we, we conjured up with someone. We're messing around in the backyard. That's what we did. You know, it's yeah. no different than pick up basketball. It's no different than, you know, fo- you know, street football. You're playing football, two on two, three on two. Hockey, you know, we, you know, hockey was pretty popular in my area. So we play street hockey. You know, I mean, that's what you did. You grew up and yeah. you figured out the rules. You guys, you know, you and the your boys in the neighborhood. You know, you figure out the rules. You, you know, there's no officials there to, you know, call what's right, what's wrong. You figured that out too. And at times it led to some arguments and maybe some other, 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 <laughs> some other activity, but that's, 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 that's it. There's where, there's, that's, there's where you can learn so much from, um, you know, just doing it in the backyard, just, you know, with your buddies and, um, and it's a lot less expensive too. Oh, by the yeah. way. And it, and it works every time. And, and, and that the funny thing is, is that, you know, to, I talk about this with almost every guest and not one time has someone said, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the pickup games are worth it. They all have the same passion and excitement and hell yeah, this is something you got to infuse into your regimen, like without question. And if it's all you did, plus, you know, your high school, you'd be in fine shape to be good enough to play college lacrosse. True. Sure. A thousand percent. I, 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 I agree. You just can't go wrong with pick up anything as part of your development and, you know, your high school, combining that with your high school. Uh, now I get it. You, you know, the summer and the camp. Exposure's and, different. You need to get exposure. Um, but, um, man, you, you, you know, but that's the thing, though. I don't, you know, that's the chance. You know, these days, I mean, I live in a neighborhood with kids and even my daughter. I have daughters, you know, and it's like, you know, like, I, I used to, the worst thing you can do to me when I was growing up and if I got in trouble, the worst thing you can do is tell me I couldn't go outside and play. <laughs> that was torture. That was torture. <laughs> you didn't have to spank me. And of course, back then you could be spanked. I know nowadays you can't be spanked. <laughs> um, you could, but if you said you can't go out, if my mom, mother told me, my mom, may she rest in peace, if she told me I can't go outside and play, that is torture. That is that is torture to me because we used to go out and play all day during the summers. That was it. You know, you come home, get a bite to eat, and you were back out to running around, just you know, playing baseball, football, basketball, making up games. You know, I mean, you get bored, you make up a game. I mean, um, unfortunately, you know, I don't see kids in the neighborhood as much. I don't know about your neighborhood, but that is, you know, that is the you know a little bit of the I guess it, you know the, the, the changing of times, but. Um, that's a it's the business. It's the business of sports that has taken the kids off the sandlot. 
And it's not bad because the business of sports has done a lot of great things. But um, one of the messages I'm trying to like share with everybody is that you got to integrate the Sandlot back if if you want to maximize the fun, the leadership development, the skill development, the health, the passion for sports. The the reason why I could play a lot of different sports was because I played them in the backyard. I wasn't great at any of them, but I could do all of them. That's 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 what it's all about. Guess what? I got better at lacrosse when I played football you know, football with my buddies. I got better at lacrosse when I played soccer or basketball mm. and it's all part of those 10,000 hours. No question, Jamie. Thousand percent. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, whoever's listening to this will, will listen to us, you know, yeah. and, 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 and not, you know, go get your boys, go get your boys and, and go have some fun, go compete, you know, and, and you'll be surprised how much you'll improve. You know, and 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 the other sport that you're not even playing at that particular time. Yeah, That's so. right. Well, I got a pickup game going on at 3 p.m. Mountain Time today. <laughs> you have a uh, Division One game at probably 7 p.m. East Coast time today. Again, Retrievers of UNBC and Coach Moran. Yep. And, um, I will look forward to watching that game online if it's on. A B. Be. Best of luck. Uh, C, thank you so much for coming on the show. And D, at the end of the season, let's talk about uh, more uh, lacrosse opportunities and develop opp- development opportunities for uh, each other in our programs. Always a pleasure, Jamie. And um, you can bet I'll be, you know, JM3. I'll be, I'll be taking a peek, a weekly, weekly peek. And um, I'm sure you may not know it until after the season, but um, you're going to, you know, I'm sure there'll be, you'll can, can continue. It's not even, you know, not anything new. It's a continuation of, me learning, you know, learning some things from you that, that helped my team win. Um, hopefully a lot of games throughout the rest of the year. So appreciate it, man. And um, keep up the great work. You too, man. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. The Philocrosophy podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 video assessment tool. There's no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son must utilize video to learn his game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3video.com.